Well, hey, I want to welcome you to the Marty McLean podcast. This is podcast number 29. As you know, I've not been doing a podcast for the last several weeks, and there's a reason why. There's been so much misinformation in the last several weeks. There's been so much information coming from so many different sources. It was hard to tell what was right, what was wrong, what was true, what was false. And so you know what I decided? I decided I'm not going to say anything stupid. I'm not going to say anything that I'm going to regret. I'm just going to see how this thing plays out before I make a comment on what's going on. Of course, if you live in the state of Georgia, you know that we had a big-time election January 5th. We elected two Democratic senators. Now, I did not vote for Raphael Warnock, nor did I vote for John Ossoff. The reason why I did not vote for them is the issue of abortion and other issues as well. I do not vote for people according to uh, whether or not I like their personality or whether, you know, what color they are. I don't really care. I vote according to how they're going to govern, according to what policies they are going to promote, what policies they're going to vote for. And I just cannot, with the issue of abortion as well as other abortions, with a clear conscience, I cannot vote for a Democratic candidate. Now, remember, this is the Marty McLean podcast. The views I express are my own. I represent myself and no one else. So that's my, uh, that's my uh, opinion, and that's my commentary on the senatorial elections. I was very disappointed. But then the next day, something really, really, really big happened in Washington, D.C. Of course, there, it was the day for the joint session of Congress to uh, certify the electoral votes and thus, you know, the final certification of uh, the presidential election. Now, President Trump had a big rally in Washington, D.C., and from what I heard of President Trump's speech, I did not hear him incite the crowd. But obviously, as you know, uh, the crowd did get out of hand. I do not believe it was the majority of the crowd. I believe it was a, it was a minority of the crowd. And I believe there are some people in that crowd that were not part of the Trump uh, rally there in Washington, D.C. But needless to say, some people were involved, and they stormed Congress. They stormed the House of Representatives, uh, the Senate chambers. I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, to see a guy with buffalo horns in the Senate chambers, uh, to see all these people just walking through uh, the, the Capitol like that, it, it was crazy. I, that, whoever thought that that would be a good idea, uh, they were not thinking, well, that was wrong. There's nothing you can say about that. What happened on January 6th was wrong. And it would have been a better idea to have not had that crowd in Washington, D.C., and, and let uh, Josh Howley and Ted Cruz uh, raised their objections, and 140 or so Congress uh, House representatives uh, raised their objections to the Electoral College votes and, and had the discussion, and so they could talk about the issues, so they could present evidence. But, of course, that really did not happen after uh, the people stormed the, the House of Representatives in the, in the Senate chamber. Uh, it, was, it was a very, very bad sight. And it was wrong. And, and there's nothing you can say good about that. So once that happened, you know, any discussion about voter fraud, election fraud, well, it was over, basically. And But here's my opinion on that. I do not think that what happens on... Uh, Jan that what happened on January 6th negates what happened on November 3rd. Now, if somebody were to you know, threaten me or hold a gun to my head and say, Marty, who do you think won the election November 3rd? I would have to say, in, in all honesty, I, I would have to say I believe that 
Donald Trump won the presidential election. I believe there are so many voter uh, irregularities, uh, statistical anomalies. You have the uh, sworn affidavits from people that said this went wrong, that went wrong. You have all these data gurus that have looked at the, the uh, results and said, you know, these are statistical impossibilities. So I think there's enough evidence there that says, you know, something went wrong. And also, you know, from your own what you intrinsically know is that when you see a candidate uh, like uh, Joe Biden, who really did not campaign, he, he just did not campaign. And he really could not draw a crowd, but yet he gets 80 million votes. Something within us, you know, within me says, you know, I just don't know if that would have could happen. But anyway, be that as it may, here's what happened. There were constitutional ways to remedy a bad election, a fraudulent election. And the people who were in power who could have acted, they chose not to. For whatever reason, be it on the state level, uh, be it on the Supreme Court level, they chose not to act. And that's the remedies. You know, you got to go by the Constitution. And once it got past a certain point and it got to be January 6th and they certified the Electoral College votes, that meant that Joe Biden was president-elect. And of course, on January the 20th, Joe Biden was inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States. Now, personally, I thought Trump was going to still win the election. I, I, I did, but you have to understand something. I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. I'm actually the son of a CPA. So that might be the problem there. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. I don't, I don't think it was done right. I, I think people... Um, who were in big positions, acted in small ways, but the constitutional remedies were not administered. And as a citizen of the United States of America, there's not much more I can do. I don't have the power to do anything. Now, I can pray for Joe Biden, for President Biden. I can pray for the man. I pray that he'd walk in the fear of God, that he would walk in a righteous way, that those around him would walk in a righteous way. Uh, I can pray that, and I will pray that. But, you know, I am disappointed with the presidential election. I am disappointed uh, with a lot of elected officials, particularly here in the state of Georgia. And I am disappointed with the Supreme Court. But it is what it is, and you have to, you just have to move on. Now, I'll continue to pray. I believe God can do whatever God wants to do. That's his business. That's his prerogative. But that's where I stand on the election. That's where I stand on uh, the inauguration of, of President Joe Biden. Uh, he has been inaugurated as our president, and he does occupy the position of president of the United States. And scripturally, I am told that uh, I am to pray for those who are in authority, and I'm show, to show respect for those who are in authority. So I would, you know, I, I will pray for President Joe Biden, uh, but it does not mean I will support the things that he does. There's a difference. I can be respectful and I can pray for him, uh, but I, I, I will not support some of the policies that he wants to enforce. And, I, and I'm going to talk about some of those policies right now because you have to kind of change gears here. Uh, you have to, you know, go from, okay, maybe there's a way that, that the election will be changed because I believe it's fraudulent, but then that's not going to happen. So now the reality is Joe Biden is the president. So now let's go with this reality. So there are certain things that the Biden administration that they are going to try to enforce, that uh, they're going to promote with their policy. And lo and behold, the first day that he's in office, uh, 
President Biden, uh, he signs a lot of his executive orders. Now he's going to get us back into the World Health Organization. Uh, he is going to rejoin the Paris Climate Accords, which will cost American jobs. Uh, he cancels the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, which will cost American jobs and will uh, do a number on our energy independence. Now, right now, we are energy independent. Uh, we don't have to depend upon the Middle Eastern countries for their oil, but uh, that could change if you start doing away with these pipelines, if you start uh, making the arrangements that have to be a ma uh, made in order to be a part of the Paris Accords. And also, he's going to bring back a lot of regulation upon industry, if, upon business, and that's not going to be as uh, that's not going to be good either. As far as immigration goes, uh, he has reversed the Trump administration's restrictions on U.S. entry uh, for passport, passport holders from seven Muslim-majority countries. Uh, he undoes a lot of the uh, expansion that uh, Trump made, President Trump made, under the immigration enforcement. And also, he has halted the construction of the border wall by terminating the funds. So he is changing a lot, but that's not even getting into... Uh, the, the main thing I want to talk about right now is he is changing a lot when it comes to the issue of abortion. He has made it clear that he is going to undo the Mexico City policy, which means that uh, funds that we give to other countries can be used for abortion. And also they're going to look at ways to do away with the Hyde Amendment. And the Hyde Amendment, Amendment makes it where, you know, U.S. taxpayer money cannot be used to perform abortions so that's that you know the whole abortion issue is a big deal with the democrats uh they want to make it you know they want to keep it legal and uh you know it's just it's very eye-opening when the, you know you read some of their language the way they talk about abortion also uh, his pick to head up the department of health and human services is california attorney general xavier becerra uh, xavier becerra he is a very staunchly pro-abortion uh, politician. But consequently, you know, I shouldn't say consequently, but surprisingly, he is also, uh, I think he was co-chairman of Catholics for Biden, and he's this big-time pro-abortion politician. You look at some of the stuff he did out in California, you'll, you'll understand uh, what I mean. But here's what uh, one writer says about Biden's uh, approach toward the whole issue of abortion. It says, quote, the rollback would include revoking the Mexico City policy, which restricts U.S. taxpayer dollars from sponsoring abortions in other nations, in addition to restoring Title X money to clinics such as Planned Parenthood that provide abortions or refer people to abortion providers. Biden is expected to also revive the contraceptive coverage mandate of Obama's Affordable Care Act, which forces employers to cover birth control, including emergency contraceptives, which are abortifacients that kill a new, newly formed embryo. So, you know, the little sisters of the poor, they will have to provide abortifacients if they get what they want. Now, also, Dr. Fauci tells WHO, uh, the World Health Organization, that Biden will lift ban on funding abortions abroad in coming days. So there you go, Fauci with the uh, abortion uh, comments there to the World Health Organization. So that's his approach on uh, the abortion. Now, also, he uh, did an executive order pertaining to LGBT rights, and it's very, very surprising what, what they got going with this. Um, 
part of what his order says is that I'm reading from this one article. It says Biden's order states under Bostock's reasoning, laws that prohibit prohibit sexual discrimination, including Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, the Fair Housing Acts, and Section 412 of the Immigration and Nationality Act, prohibits discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation, so long as the laws do not contain sufficient indications to the contrary. So he continues, quote, children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restrooms, locker rooms, or school sports, unquote. You know what that means? That if a boy wants to wrestle against a girl or if a boy wants to play girls basketball or if a boy wants to go into a girl's bathroom at school, you cannot deny him. Now, that's very surprising. I mean, how many of you guys out there do you want boys going into your little girl's restrooms? Or how many of you want a boy to be playing against your girl in high school basketball? Well, what they're doing with the Biden administration is that they're saying it's going to happen, and you better let it happen, and you better not have a problem with it. Now, here's somebody else that uh, he is going to put in his administration. Uh, Joe Biden has selected, this. it says, the Pennsylvania Health Secretary Dr. Rachel Levine to be Assistant Health and Human Services Secretary, which will make Levine the first transgender person to be confirmed by the Senate to a presidential administration. That is from a Daily Wire article. Now, Rachel Levine uh, has previously been the Pennsylvania Health Secretary. I want to be charitable when I say this, and I don't know I don't know the best way to be charitable to say this. When I first saw Rachel Levine on TV, you, you know, you have a thought, and you're like, ah, I don't want to think like that. But I thought, you know, it's like, that woman looks like a man. You know, you just kind of think that. And it's like, man, my goodness, what's going on here? But, and I know of a guy that I know that looks just like Dr. Rachel Levine. And then you find out, well, Rachel Levine is Richard Levine. Richard Levine transitioned to Rachel Levine a few years ago. And that's really a man who I think he did have a, a sex change, if I read correctly, but he has now become a woman. And this is the guy that's going to be heading up the Health and Human Services Assistant, Health and Human Services. And, and you know, I see something like that. I think, you know what? They're just putting that guy up there because they want to normalize this whole transgender situation. They want, they want to tell these kids in school, and they will tell your kids, they'll tell your children, they'll tell your grandchildren that their gender is fluid. It's not biological, it's fluid. And that's crazy. You don't, that's not following the science. But that, you know, they make up their own rules about some things. But they will tell children that your gender is fluid. What do you feel like? Who do, you, do you feel like a boy or do you feel like a girl? Well, that determines whether or not you're a boy or a girl. Now, I think genetically you're either a boy or a girl. And as a, as a, you know, as a Christian, I know that God made them male and female. And God has a reason why he made men and a reason why he made women. They're different. They're different by design. And when you start messing up the minds of children about who's a boy and who's a girl... That's fundamental. That, that's stuff that's hardwired within us. And when you start messing up with stuff that's hardwired within us, you're going, to have a, you're going to have a mess on your hands. I cannot, you know, it's amazing to me how much things have changed. I'll, I'll tell you what happened when I was in high school in Vidalia. When I was in high school, there's a guy in our county. His name was Buster. And Buster was a transvestite. 
And everybody knew who Buster was. I mean, Buster was this guy that dressed like a woman. It was like everybody knew that that's not natural, that's not right. Something's, something's going on with Buster. It's just not right. Everybody knew that. They'd see him at basketball games. But everybody did not hold up Buster as a role model or as, you know, somebody you needed to emulate. Well, one day when, when, when I went to high school, one morning when I got to the high school there in Vidalia, a word got out through the halls that Buster was substitute teaching for Miss Davis. And so, of course, just like everybody else, I start going down the hall to try to see Buster because Buster's in Miss Davis's room. He's substitute teaching. You couldn't even get to the doorway because so many people were jammed, packed in that hallway trying to get a look at Buster. Well, what Buster had done is, if I understood correctly, when he came to do his interview, he came as a man, but then when he came to teach that morning as a substitute teacher, he came as a woman. And would you know... Now, this was in the mid-'80s. Before homeroom was over, they had sent him home. They would not let him be a substitute teacher, being a man dressing like a woman, because they did not deem that being appropriate uh, to serve as a, a, as a role model for high school students. Now, if that were to be done today in 2021, the high school would probably be taken to court and probably have to pay Buster a whole bunch of money. You know, they even have transvestites, these men dressed up like women, reading stories to children at library at a library called story time so you have story times and the person reading the book to the little kids is a man dressed like a woman i do have a problem with that i do want to be charitable and that dr rachel levine or richard levine levine um there's some issues going on and we need to pray for richard levine or rachel for for levine um because there are some issues going on and we need to pray that God would break through and and minister to that to that man because they're just like I would pray for um, Bruce Jenner. There's some issues going on. There's some spiritual issues going on, and, and that person, you know, Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, is created in, in the image of God, and that you know his life, her life, you know, is of infinite worth because. He has been created in the image of God. And, you know, we need to be concerned about the man's soul. But he does not need to be presented as a role model for children to follow because that's going to mess kids up. And, and at some point, you know, you've got to be kind. You've got to be, you know, you know, loving. But you also have to say, you know, that is not a role model for children to follow. And it's not good to have boys competing in girls against girls in girls' athletics. And it's not good. Good to have boys being able to go into girls' bathrooms. But that is what the Biden administration is promoting. As a matter of fact, you remember back during the presidential, one of the debates, that uh, Biden was okay with a, what was it, it was a boy, an 8- or 10-year-old boy transitioning to a girl. He thought that should be protected. He thought that was, he thought that was good, that that was okay. There's a big problem with that. So, see, the problem I have with Joe Biden, President Biden, is that he is wrong on abortion. He is wrong when it comes to human sexuality. Those are big, big issues. He's wrong when it comes to how he's going to treat Israel and Iran. Those are, that's also a, a really big issue. I think from an economic point of view, he's wrong by you know, cutting our development, exploration of natural gas and oil. I think we need to do that. I think we need to be energy independent. But here's the deal. And one of his guys has said, even with the foreign policy, that they're going to stop, they're going to stop with American first, with America first uh, policy. Now, if you're president of, of America, you should put America first. But here's the deal. 
the Biden administration has a globalist agenda. They do. They do. When you submit to the Paris Accords, that's a globalist agenda. When you cease to develop your own resources, you're going toward a globalist agenda. I, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty evident. Um, and and so there's there's a difference about what's going on. And so I do have a problem with President Biden with his administration. I, I pray. I'll pray for him. For him, I'll. You know, I, I want the Lord to work in his life. I want the Lord to, to, to save the man. I want the Lord to do things in his life. But I'm not going to support policy that is anti-biblical. Now, see, this election was not about personality. It was about policies for me. And somebody said, well, you know, Joe Biden was so much better of a man than Donald Trump. Well, if you do your research into your candidates, do your presidential, your vice presidential candidates, do your research, you'll see that we have flawed candidates. It's not just Donald Trump. Joe Biden was a flawed candidate. Look at his history. It's not for me to go into, but he's a flawed candidate. So it's got to be policies. And the policies that Joe Biden and his administration are pushing are very anti-biblical policies. And when it comes to abortion, when it comes to human sexuality, when it comes to Israel, I believe that I think, you know, we've got some issue with the policies. And I don't think that's going to change. So now I'm going to change gears just a little bit, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Congress. I'm going to talk about Nancy Pelosi for, for just a few minutes. Back in 2017, Nancy Pelosi, this is six months after Donald Trump was elected president. Here's what Nancy Pelosi put on Twitter. Quote, our election was hijacked. There was no question. Congress has a duty to... Hashtag protect our democracy and hashtag follow the facts, unquote. Now, Nancy Pelosi was said, said straight up the election was stolen. It was hijacked. She was allowed to say that. She was not censored. She was not kicked off Twitter. Um, everything was fine with her saying that. Now, if you say much contrary to the election results, even what I've said on this podcast, you run the risk of being deplatformed or being kicked off Facebook, being kicked off Twitter, whatever it may be. Remember, what happened on January 6th does not change what happened on November 3rd. You still have tens of millions of people that think something went on November 3rd and 4th that was not right, and it needs to be looked into, and they don't feel like it's been looked into. But if you say things contrary to, okay, election's over, uh, there's nothing to see here, just move on, just keep going, get, just keep going, you can be deplatformed. And one of the things that I've seen in the past, uh, I don't know, a few weeks, is if I ever had a question at all that there was a collusion between the mainstream media, big tech, big business, and the Democratic Party, I have, I have no more illusions about that. I know that there is a collusion because I've seen it played out. Think about Parler. You know, it was the social media that was up and coming. It was starting to be a rival to Twitter. All these people were leaving Twitter and going, going to Parler. And then all of a sudden, Apple and Google said, you know what? We're going to ban your app from our app store. And then Amazon said, you know what? Parler... We're, we're not going to support you anymore. You're not going to be able to use our server anymore. We're going to deplatform you. And so what happened to Parler? They ceased. They, they ceased to exist. 
Now they're still trying to get back up and running. They're having to do things in a different way, I think. But once they decided that we were not going to have an alternative to Twitter, and you're not going to be able to go to a site where conservatives can say what they want to say, they said, we're going to shut that thing down. And what did they do? They shut it down. Now, also, I think about what happened to Mike Lindell. You know, Mike Lindell, MyPillow.com. Uh, he's been a big supporter of the president, and he's come out and said, look, there is, this election was not right. There's a lot of election irregularities. Uh, he said there's election fraud. He says he's got evidence. And so consequently, as he, as he con has continued that pursuit, he has had people drop his, his products, like Kohl's, uh, Wayfair, um, other, other places of businesses have said, you know what, we're not going to sell, uh, I think Bed Bath & Beyond, we're not going to sell MyPillow.com. Now let me just say this about MyPillow.com. We've ordered MyPillow.com. I did not like, I personally did not like the pillow. I think Stephanie did, but I, I just wanted my type of pillow. And we ordered the robes. I really didn't like my robe. It was too bulky, but I gave it to my son, and he seems to really like it. But we did order the Giza sheets, and the Giza sheets are fantastic. They're some of the best bed sheets I've ever had. So let me say this. If you need a, if you need a new pair of bed sheets, go to MyPillow.com and put Marty in the box, and you'll get zero discount. <laughs> anyway, those are good bed sheets. So uh, anyway, they, they came after Mike Lindell, and uh, they're trying to hurt him financially. You know, even people who were in the Trump administration, now that they've left the, uh, the office, uh, there are people that are trying to make it where they cannot get a job. And I, think that's, I think that's horrible. I read one headline saying, you know, we're headed toward a totalitarian system because it is true when you do have social, when you do have mainstream media and you have big tech, you have big business and you have uh, the Democratic Party all lining up, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. And so, you know, we need to speak out against that. And I, I think they need to be held accountable, whatever they need to do to what is that, that Section 230. Uh, that they're talking about with social media to undo that. Uh, that might not be too bad of an idea, but you know it's it's just not good it, because then you start thinking about the social credit system they have in China and the surveillance capital, all this stuff that's going on. You know it just doesn't sound good. And, and the way you saw people that were kicked off social media, where they just deplatformed people and, and would not let people have any accounts. This is one reason why I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. You do not want all your money digitized. Uh, you want to have printed currency. You want to have coins. You want to have printed currency. Because, just think about this, if everything goes digital, if all of your money is digi digitized and you can never use cash, then just like they cut you off of Twitter or they cut you off of Facebook, they can cut you off from your money, boom, there it happens. So I always, you know, it, I, what I do is I use cash a lot. I still use cash. I like cash. I mean, I have, you know, obviously, I have the digital stuff. Everybody does. But, you know, cash, I, I, I like to have cash. And anyway, that's kind of a tangent, kind of off, you know, whatever. That's, that was free. We'll put it that way, okay? Um, so anyway, we're in a situation now in the United States of America where you like it or not, President Biden is our president. He has some policies that are very anti-biblical, anti-family, 
And, you know, I may pray for the guy. I, I, I will respect President Biden, but I will not support his agenda. And I will do things against his agenda. I, I, will, I will not support the pro-abortion agenda. I will not support the pro-LGBTQ agenda that, uh, that he has. And I think at some, at some point, um, you know, at some point you, you've just got to, you know, just say, well, I can only go this far. And we're going, we're going to be looking at the 2022 midterm elections. And look, I'm not, I'm not locked in on one party, but I will vote according to policies. And right now the Republican policy, uh, policies best reflect biblical values. I, I, I don't like every Republican, but I will vote according to policies. And policies right now favor the Republicans when it comes to family values and biblical values. Uh, for instance, once again, I I'm, I'm mentioned this about um, Nancy Pelosi. Of course, she is the Speaker of the House, and this is the 117th Congress. She has made it where, quote, gender terms like father, daughter, mother, and son are now, are now eliminated in the House rules. So you are not in the House of Representatives to use terms like father, daughter, mother, or son. Why? Because um, they're gendered terms. They discriminate against people. This is the craziness uh, that we have descended upon. And, you know, I can't support stuff like that. So anyway, let me just say this. God is still on the throne. Man, it's a great day to be alive. And I know that we're headed eventually toward a one-world system because that's what it says in the book of Revelation. But you know what? I don't have to like it, and I can fight against it. And that's what I'll do. And, you know, I, I know eventually that Jesus will come back. Uh, eventually this world will end, and there will be a heaven and there will be a hell. And all that's going to matter is whether or not you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, man, just repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness, believe that Christ died on the cross on your behalf, because here's the deal. Somebody's going to pay for your sin. Somebody pays for your sin. Either you pay for your sin for all of eternity, or else you believe that Christ paid for your sin when he died on the cross. Because the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. Christ on the cross, having never sinned, our sin was placed upon him. And the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. And Christ, with our sins upon him, died on the cross. That was payment for our sin debt. And if you will receive what he did on your behalf and believe in his resurrection, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll be born again. And that's a good thing to be. All right. Remember, you can always contact me if you would like to uh, know more about the gospel. Marty McLean, uh, 37 at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to converse with you. Hope you have a great day. And we'll see you next time on the Marty McLean podcast.